0: And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. If you got your Bibles, we're going to continue in the passage that um, Travis was reading just a minute ago. I'm going to pick up in verse 51, all right? This is Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And this is is really... um, A turning point in Luke's gospel and I'll explain that in just a minute so Luke chapter 9 verse 51 here's what Luke writes when the days were approaching for his ascension he was determined to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead of him and they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him but they did not receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem when the disciples James and John saw this they said Lord Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, once again we come before your presence. Having read your word and understanding that we need the assistance of your Holy Spirit for us to be able to make sense of it, for us to be able to apply it to our lives. We depend on him. We depend on you. So God, speak truth into our hearts as we consider uh, a little bit of what it means for Jesus to head to Jerusalem. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, verse 51 marks a major transition point in the Gospel of Luke. From chapter 4 through chapter 9, verse 50, Luke's theme is the ministry of the Son of Man in Galilee. Luke progressively unfolds the person of Jesus as the Son of God. From 9.51 through chapter 19, verse 28, we see the rejection of Jesus, the Son of Man, as He sets His face to go to Jerusalem. Now there is mounting opposition against Jesus, and He gives a lot of instruction in light of His approaching death. Now, Luke doesn't describe a journey to Jerusalem in a straight, sequential sequential sense, but rather he presents a shift of focus on Jesus' part that culminates in the rejection and crucifixion in Jerusalem. And it's in light of this approaching death that Jesus focuses on teaching the Twelve. And there are many lessons on effective Christian service that follow. In verses 46-48, through we've already seen that to be an effective servant of Christ, we have to learn the lesson of humility. In verse 44, Jesus tells the disciples for the very first time that He's going to be delivered over into the hands of men. In verse 51, Jesus is determined to go to Jerusalem where He will indeed be delivered over. Now, sandwiched between those two solemn events, you have the disciples arguing over which one of them is the greatest. Now, the fact that they got into a similar dispute on the eve of the crucifixion, that should warn us also that this isn't a lesson that you learn once and you're done. It's a lesson that we must constantly apply. Now, Jesus knows their heart. Pride begins in the heart and must be dealt with on the heart level. Pride was at the heart of the original sin where Eve thought that she could be like God if she simply disobeyed Him and ate the forbidden fruit. Pride is at the heart of all of our sin. We each forsake God and turn our own way. Now, pride is also fed by competition. The disciples must have been comparing themselves to each other. Peter, James, and John, they received special attention from Jesus, didn't they? Well, rather than rejoicing with them, the other disciples, they got jealous. Well, we also see that pride is fed by our association with the important. Now, at this time, Jesus was riding a wave of popularity. Everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. The disciples could sense their greatness coming on as well. But where were they when Jesus got arrested? They scattered. They fled. They fled. Humility, on the other hand, is fed by our association with the lowly. So Jesus sets a child in their midst. In this setting, children were considered insignificant, lowly. Jesus told the disciples that if they received this child in His name, they received Him. And if they received Him, they also received the one who sent Him, namely, the Father. Jesus was showing that His followers must welcome and be kind to those that society regarded as unimportant. This child actually represents God's concern for every person, no matter how unimportant or lowly our society may regard him or her. To be an effective servant of Christ, we have to learn the lesson of love for all. Now in verses 49 through 56, we see two groups represented, those who are fellow servants of Christ and those who are opposed to Christ. We must learn to show love to both groups. Although the form our love takes, it may differ in verses 49 to 50 we looked at those last week John asked about a man that the disciples had encountered earlier he was casting out demons in the name of Jesus and the disciples stopped him because he wasn't following them he wasn't part of their group now this man was a true disciple of Jesus not a false one as we see in Matthew 7:21 through 23 yet he received a rebuke from the disciples simply because he wasn't a part of their group now, pride breeds exclusivity. The disciples should have rejoiced that effective ministry was taking place in the name of Jesus. But their pride and jealousy prevented them from understanding that. God is actually bigger than our exclusive circles. And He uses people in, the service, in His service that we wouldn't necessarily pick. Now, what about you? Do you chafe when you hear of success in someone else's ministry? If you do, that's pride, pure and simple. Or do you rejoice that God is using them for His kingdom? that's humility love for all means allowing god to deal with those who oppose christ as jesus set his face to go to jerusalem he sent messengers ahead into samaria to make arrangements but the samaritans didn't receive him because they heard that he was going to jerusalem and they despised the jews there had been a centuries-long hatred between the jews and the samaritans the samaritans were viewed as religious half-breeds by the jews So the slightest provocation set off James and John who wanted to call down fire from heaven to consume these pagans. But Jesus rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Now this incident shows our propensity to misuse scriptures to justify our own sinful anger. James and John thought that they were acting in the spirit of Elijah who called down fire to consume the wicked king's messengers who came to arrest him. They could cite chapter and verse to show that their anger was justified. But they were wrong. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, not to destroy them. Now, while rejection is always difficult to handle, if our Lord was rejected, we can expect the same treatment in this wicked world. Now, he deliberately steeled himself for the coming rejection that he was to face in Jerusalem. And as his followers, we must steal ourselves for rejection and not take it personally, even if it is meant that way. We should let the Lord be the judge. In this case, Jesus judged this village by leaving them in their state of rejection. They would have to answer to God at the judgment for not welcoming Christ into their village. Now while there is a proper time to shake the dust off of our feet in protest against those who reject the gospel, we should be careful not to jump the gun. God is patient, not willing for any to perish, and we must reflect His love and patience towards those who are opposed, praying that God would grant them repentance. Living as we do in a culture that is seething with anger and that actually elevates pride to a virtue, we can have some great opportunities for witness if we will learn the lessons of humility and love for others. If you're mistreated but you respond with humility and love, you will stand out as a light in the darkness Be ready to let others know that it is only Christ in you that makes the difference. If you struggle with pride and anger and have failed often, these verses actually offer us some hope. James and John were known as the sons of thunder. Matthew Henry observed that they even wanted to add lightning to their repertoire. But James went on to give his life as a martyr. And John grew to be known as the apostle of love. If the grace of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit could change these hotheads, there's hope for all of us. Now change begins when we acknowledge our sin and come to the cross in repentance. We should walk in the same way. If you have wronged someone through pride or anger, humble yourself. Go and ask their forgiveness. As you learn to practice humility and love, even towards those who have wronged you, you will become an effective servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for just a few minutes, I want to see another angle in our passage this morning. It revolves around the idea of mercy. Now, the word mercy isn't used in this passage. It's not explicit, but it is implicit. We see its opposite in James and John, the sons of thunder. They want to call down fire from heaven and consume that that village. But Jesus rebuked them, and they went on to another village. So, where do we see mercy? Well, number one, mercy is the heart of Christ's mission. Up until now, Jesus has been healing the sick, mending the lame, giving sight to the blind, casting out demons, and raising people from the dead. All these miracles stem from the mercy of Jesus. The ones He was healing didn't deserve it. Jesus was on a mission of mercy. Now the time was come for Him to head to Jerusalem. Let me ask you, why was He going to Jerusalem? To die for the sins of the world. This is merely a continuation of His mission of mercy. Men didn't deserve Jesus to die on their behalf, but out of his mercy he would do just that. Well, number two, mercy is extended to all. The past year plus some for Jesus had been spent primarily in Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom to Jews. Now as he sets his face to go to Jerusalem, where's the first place he wants to stop? A village of Samaria. Luke's, Luke wants us to see that the mercy of Jesus extends to all people. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds by the Jews. They were uh, pagans who worshipped on Mount Gerizim. Jews would never travel through Samaria, only around it. Well, Jesus broke all the conventional stereotypes of religion. He is actually reaching out to the Samaritans. And so he has to train his twelve to this expansive new uh, campaign that he has, he's bringing about. And he has to teach them about mercy beyond the borders. And a third and final point, mercy is extended towards the ignorant on two fronts. First, some of the disciples go ahead of Jesus to make arrangements in the Samaritan village. But these Samaritans didn't know anything about Jesus Christ, and whatever the apostles may have told them, they remained unimpressed. They didn't receive Him. In their ignorance, they rejected Jesus. And second, look at James and John. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Now, on the one hand, you might say, it's understandable. They love the Lord. They've actually seen His glory on the mountain. I mean, there's a touch of nobility in their righteous indignation. But Jesus rebukes them. They are ignorant as well. Jesus explains that He didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Again, the Mission of Mercy theme arises. How merciful are we towards those whose beliefs differ significantly from ours? Your one doesn't believe in Jesus, or they wouldn't be your one. Yet you ask God God in His mercy to soften their heart to be receptive to the gospel. The mission, mercy is the heart of Jesus' mission. Mercy is extended to all, regardless of ethnicity. And mercy is extended to the ignorant, encompassing both believers and non-believers in that group. Well, has God been merciful to you? If you are born again child of God, then you know the answer is yes, absolutely. God has been merciful to me. If you haven't encountered God through His Son, Jesus Christ, then call out to Him today and ask Him to be merciful to you, a sinner. He will hear you. He will call you to new life. By His mercy, you will be made right with the God of the universe. Let's pray. Father, we indeed are grateful for your mercy. None of us wants to have anything to do with your justice. And it's because we know what we deserve. We deserve to be sent to hell. We deserve to be alienated, separated from you forever. We deserve to be under your wrath because of the sin which we have committed. But in your mercy, you sent Jesus to die. And that's what we looked at this morning. He has now set his face to go to Jerusalem. And Father, it's for a particular purpose, to die for the sins of man. We are so grateful for that mercy. Because of that mercy, Father, help us to be merciful to others. Lord, you want that. You want us to be merciful. And we need your help in doing it. So we give you praise and glory this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.